Welcome to another episode of Built on Passion. I'm Drew, and today we're talking to Jorge Barros, founder of Graphene X. Graphene X is a technical apparel company that focuses on products that you'd want to wear to your next adventure and to work on Monday. If you're interested in Kickstarter, this is the episode for you. Graphene X has run several very successful campaigns, and we chat about how that is integral to their business model. Hey, Jorge, thanks for joining me today. Hi, Drew. Thanks for the invite. Happy to be here. So tell us a little bit more about Graphene X. Well, GraphineX was launched almost three years ago, a company that we founded in Hong Kong with the aim of developing cutting-edge clothing by innovating with graphene-integrated fabrics. And goal, sorry, of the company is to develop urban technical outdoors-ready comp- uh, clothing. That's what we do and have been doing since we launched the company almost three years ago. Well, then tell me a little bit more about you and your background and why you decided to start a company like that. Sure. I studied business and my wife, that's the co-founder, is an architect, so not exactly related to outdoors or apparel manufacturing, but both are city animals and also outdoor enthusiasts. So we were those kind of people that were always looking for the best kind of clothing and apparel we could get to to jump to our adventures. And we started noticing that most of the high-end companies would exclusively focus on the outdoors, on these big adventures, but none of them would give proper focus to where we are 99% of our lives, which is living our lives, you know, running from the NTR, rushing to the car, going back and forth, you know, you go to the office, there's a AC where it's freezing temperature. You go outside, especially in Hong Kong, it's incredibly hot. So we live in ever-changing conditions and somehow the technology that we were all seeing in outdoors apparel was not being focused for, for city life, for this 99% of our life. Not meaning that this same clothing couldn't perform on the outdoors, but just starting the other way around. So we started looking for it and we couldn't find really enough. And we had the luck of, uh, well, being in Hong Kong at the moment. We went to a Canton Fair, which is a huge, huge, huge exhibition in Wanzhou, China, where basically you can find just about everything you can imagine. And we decided to meet with a couple of companies that were starting to experiment with graphene. Graphene is this very wonder or marvel-like material that was pretty new back then, where the guys that discovered it actually won the Nobel Prize of Physics because of the discovery of it. Again, it has this wonder-like properties, like being incredibly strong, super light, flexible, transparent, being an amazing thermal conductor, etc. And we just thought in our ignorance to say, what would happen if we integrate regular fabrics with this material? And our aim to, to go to the exhibition was try to find out what would happen if we do so. And that's basically how the whole idea of, of Graphinex started. There was a market need that we felt. There was this incredible material out there that no one was basically getting out of the lab. And we just decided to jump in. That's how Graphinex started. You know, the concept started. That's pretty cool. You guys saw a need for something that you couldn't find. You decided to make it. Where did you guys go from there? So you had the this trade show where you kind of saw the manufacturers. What happened next? Well, again, in that moment, we're just Jorge and Claudia, two guys with, a, with an idea, with a vision, not with a million dollars in our back to say, hey, help us develop, not with the name of Patagonia or Arterix behind us to see, you know, these guys, you know, are visionaries and, and just work with them. We're just two regular guys with a, with a, with a vision and idea. And this is probably the, one of the best things that we have done so far. And we talk with about 50 different companies. We decided to stay with one that would not only believe in our vision, but that would say that actually they bet on us. They say, guys, we, we like your vision. We know you have not the name. You don't have this million dollars under the arm. And we're happy to invest time in your vision and see with time if this bet pays off in the future. 
having that kind of compromise of, of this kind of partner, even before we had nothing, not even one single jacket produced, and taking the time to actually find that guy has been paramount to the success of the company till now, till today. So from there, is that when you guys decided to launch your Kickstarter? That's right. So basically, we started working with this guy. We started learning really, you know, the science behind fabrics. I don't know how familiar you are, Drew, with, uh, with Formula One. Are you a big fan of Formula One or you just see cars running? The... <laughs> uh, not a huge fan, but I, I dabble. Okay. So I don't know if you know, but actually the technology in the tires of these cars is comparable to the rockets that Elon Musk is launching to space. I mean, there's thousands of engineers, like probably some of the most smart people in the world, trying to improve the performance and technology of these tires. Nevertheless, most of the people wouldn't think in tires when I talk to you about technology, right? They would think about uh, screens, phones, metaverse, 3D worlds, whatever, but not tires and normally not clothing as well. Which is, is, is kind of peculiar because we use clothing every single day of our life. If we're able to put a rocket in the moon, we should also aim to have proper technology in whatever we're using every single day. So we started with this idea. We started working in different prototypes. We started experimenting with graphene, with different kind of fabrics, etc. Till we got to a product, which was the, the original Alpha Series jacket, which we believe was a real game changer in terms of what was available in the market back then. This is 2019. So we had the product, we had the vision, we had the producer, but again, we didn't have the million dollars in the bank account and we didn't have the connections in the world of apparel to see, I don't know, to big wholesalers or whatever to make this happen. Of course, if you want to produce something like this, you cannot produce 10 jackets, go to your friends and sell them and wait for the mouth to mouth. You need to produce a pretty high MOQ, especially if you are developing your own fabrics. So we had this challenge. And at the moment, the best alternative for all this was Kickstarter. Kickstarter basically works as a pre-orders page. That's not what Kickstarter is. It's not a place to raise funds, what most people could figure out because of the name as a, as a crowdfunding platform. But it's basically a pre-order platform where you go, you have a prototype, you show the prototype, you show the building process behind it, you show the face, hopefully, you show who's behind the product. And if whatever you think your product is solving, whatever pro problem you think your product is solving, is shared by the Kickstarter community, you may be able to raise enough funds to produce this first batch, deliver to your backers, and then basically start hopefully running a business. That's exactly what we did. That first campaign broke every single one of our expectations. We sold this jacket in over 70 countries, raised over half a million dollars, and became one of the 0.3% of the most funded campaigns in Kickstarter by at the moment, which had over half a million campaigns launched back then. So the first big challenge was there. You know, the, this was a shared problem. It's not only a problem that I have because even though I have the best idea in the world, but the rest of the world doesn't share that, it's a little bit worthless, at least business-wise. So it was a shared problem, and we had the funds to produce this big batch and start running our business. That's why Kickstarter has been so crucial for the building of GraphineX. With the Kickstarter campaign, how did you guys run that? Did you find that it kind of had like a viral effect like on Kickstarter and beyond, or did you have to run ads to it? How did, how did that all work? We did our homework. We studied who were the biggest players, who brought the traffic to Kickstarter, where these 20 million visits that Kickstarter page had monthly, where they come from, where they went afterwards, who was bringing them, what were they looking for, which were the categories that these guys were backing them more 
the most and what common elements the campaigns that succeeded had to, to do well. Also, at the moment, I, I had the time of, of having a chat with uh, Peter Dering, that's the CEO and founder of Peak Design, which is by far the most successful Kickstarter campaign, I would say, Kickstarter company launched campaign. These guys have been launching products since 2010. They have made an amazing job in terms of not only developing great products, but accomplishing their promises with their backers, having this incredibly transparent communication. I mean, every single element that you want to be in a company, these guys had it. And I had the, the luck of having a call with Peter just before we launched our campaign to get his feedback, get a a better understanding, I mean, of what was important in Kickstarter. It's funny, but even though you're still buying online, if you compare, let's say, the Amazon buyer versus the Kickstarter buyer, they're literally A and Zeta. The Amazon buyer wants everything for yesterday. He's very, I would say, product-oriented, and, and that's it, while the Kickstarter backer wants to be involved in the process. He wants transparency. He wants two things. He wants a great product and also a great experience. So... Having that idea, even before we launched our first campaign, made a big difference. Again, we did the homework and, and that paid off. So what advice would you give to someone who is trying to run a successful Kickstarter campaign now? Focus on the product. That's one. I mean, not only you have to be able to transmit the idea or your vision in the campaign, but whatever that is, your product should be solid. Okay, If your product is, is not solid... It doesn't really matter how good you are in communications or how, how nice your media assets look. Product sucks, that's it. You're gone. It's a one-timer. Product needs to be fantastic. And secondly, make sure that your audience feels loved. At the end of the day, these guys, especially when you launch on a platform like Kickstarter or Indiegogo or similar, these guys are literally your angel investors and you should treat them like. The only difference is that they are not asking for a piece of the shares of your company. They are just asking for you to deliver a great product. So, I mean, these guys are even before your mother in terms of priority in that moment. You need to deliver to these guys, I mean, and, and deliver properly. That's where your focus should be 100%. I noticed also you're currently running a presale on your, your website for the jacket, the Nomad E. Why are you running that on your website now instead of Kickstarter? Because we already launched that jacket on Kickstarter. So basically, our business model is a little bit like this. We choose one or two products, if they are ready, of course, to launch the most innovative products of, of, of the year, to launch it in Kickstarter. That's where we launch, in this case, the, the very nomadic jacket. Once that campaign is finished, which is basically where you get the best deal, but where you also need to wait more, to get the jacket, we go to the second phase, which is continuing that pre-order in our website. You are still going to pay less than the final retail product, but you're going to be paying more than Kickstarter because now there's less time to be launching in our, in our website. And the third phase is to launch our website. You buy today, tomorrow it's shipped, but you're going to pay the full price. So basically we have a three steps phase in these products that we launch on, on Kickstarter. And normally for the rest of the products we launch, we just also do steps two and three. So we also do pre-orders on our webpage and then move to the final retail. How do you deal with the the margins? I know Kickstarter takes a pretty large percentage of orders compared to, you know, if you sold on your website. How does that play a role in getting the money out to actually produce the run? 
It does. I mean, Kickstarter is, they get their piece of the pie. It's debatable. It's subjective if, if this is a lot or, or, or not. But at the end of the, year, the, the day, these guys are giving you cash flow. You are able to pre-order with the money in your pocket. That makes a huge difference, especially if you are starting from zero, like our case. Without Kickstarter, in that particular moment of time where I had this amazing product and I knew that it would make a difference in the market, I just didn't have the money at the moment in the bank. And if I went to the bank and asked for a loan, it's still way more riskier than doing this in advance on a platform like Kickstarter, see if there is, again, a need of the market of whatever you're trying to produce and then produce it. So yes, it does takes a piece of the pie. Yes, you need to make your homework and truly understand how your margins are going to work. Parenthesis, not just your margins, you know, but what it will take to deliver that particular product to your backers. One of the most successful Kickstarter campaigns ever was of this cooler, which was called the coolest, which was actually pretty cool. I mean, you could do everything with this cooler. You had like, I don't know, you could put stuff, you could play music, you could uh, mix, you know, drinks inside of it because it has a blender. It was pretty darn cool. And these guys raised something close to $20 million. By far one of the most successful Kickstarter campaigns in, in history. But these guys were not diligent in understanding what it would mean to send a cooler to a guy at the other side of the world. So their shipping rates were crazy. They didn't consider this in their pricing. And at the end of the day, it turned out losing money, which is crazy. So again, at the end of the day, you need to make your homework. You need to really understand if what does it takes to bring this product to life and to have it delivered to your backers wherever that market is. is something that you should be pretty responsible, especially today when shipping rates have 3x or 5x just in the last year. An issue that I have seen or I've heard from a number of brand owners when running like pre-sales on their website is typically they run a pre-order, the add to cart button says pre-order. It's very clear that this is a pre-order. And then immediately after running that campaign, the majority of their support tickets are, why didn't you send my jacket yet? Or why didn't you send my sunglasses yet? Or whatever it is. How do you combat that when running you know, that, that step two of pre-orders on your website? I think that in, in, in our case, it may be a little bit different from someone that just starting because our backers know us. They know they do this. At the moment, we have nearly 10,000 clients across the globe. Their repurchase rate is up the stars. So basically, it's, it's these guys coming back and again. So they know how we work. And we also put an effort in being extremely transparent. But I mean, Times New Roman 25 red letters in the front page saying pre-order delivery November 2022. So again, it's about educating. It's about making your audience understand why a pre-order is not only better for you, but for them as well, and making sure everybody knows the mechanics. That's your part. And then obviously you'll have these guys that didn't saw the Times New Roman 25 red letters in the screen and would still ask. And you should be able to have a, a proper team answering to each and every one of them. And that's part of your job. I mean, when you're launching a brand like, like, like this or, or, or similar, you don't have the responsibilities that Arterix or North, or North Face have to develop the most innovative Everest hiking challenge you can imagine. Okay, you're not there yet, but your challenge is in that point, in, in being extremely good at communicating, in being transparent and, and make and in educating, you know, people about your business model and how you're making money. Pre-order is part of that. And it's our responsibility to show and, and be clear on, on, on how it works. 
I, I was actually admiring your website earlier and how clear you make every single one of your product pages extensive and talking about the features, the benefits, there's graphics, there's videos. It's like, you know exactly what you're getting by looking through that product page. And I think a lot of brands can overlook that aspect as well. That's exactly right, Drew. And in our case, I think this, is, this takes special importance because we are innovating with a material that if you go out the street and ask 100 people, probably 99 won't have a clue what's graphic. We need to be very educative in what we do, in what we are trying to, to pull over and, and, and to show it in a very easy to understand way. We are doing science, but I think most of us, including me, I just, I have my stomach, you know, just hurts when I remember my, my science classes in school and, and how painful they made those classes for me. You know, I hated it because I was not being taught in the right way. Science, the best way to understand it is to experiment with it, is to see it, is to, is to put your hands on it. And that's exactly what we're trying to do with Graphinex. You know, when we say that our jacket is abrasion resistant, instead of pulling out a, a bunch of laboratory tests that nobody will understand, we just go and make the, the most obvious test. That is basically put the piece of fabric, have a roll that goes one time, two times, three times, four times, a thousand times until the fabric breaks to show how durable it is. Just to make the point, in that case, we did it with our Omega pants, and we did this test, which is called the, the Martindale test, and we did it for 20,000 wraps. No, 20,000, 200,000 wraps. Military-grade gear is required to withstand normally 20,000 wraps. So we just said, okay, let's do 10x military-grade gear and, and see if, if it holds up. It did hold up. So at the end of the day, you don't need more science than that. I mean... Easy to understand experiments that go behind what we are claiming about our products. Do you guys sell primarily on your website or do you sell in stores as well? We have three business channels. Today, Kickstarter is still our most important channel, seconded by our website, which again, we're selling to most of the countries in the world. And thirdly, we have a couple of wholesale business partners, mainly in Japan, Taiwan, and, and Korea, and developing a couple of new ones in the, in the U.S. at the moment. That's where we are selling our stuff at the moment. What advice would you give someone who wanted to start an outerwear business today? Try to understand if there's a need for whatever problem you're trying to solve. That's first. Today, I think we have a bunch of different mechanics where you can try this. I mean, you have Typeform, you have Twitter. If you are, you have a following audience, uh, you have Kickstarters. I mean, you have the mechanics to test and experiment before putting everything you have in something that hasn't been proved before. That would be the first. Secondly, make sure to partner with the best guys out there. I mean, from producing partners, yes, they're going to be more expensive. There's a reason behind that. They're better. Use the best zippers out there. Oh, but they have 10 times the lead time that the second best one. Yes, but that's, there's a because for that. They are the best zippers out there, which are YKK, by the way. So make sure not to fall short in this stuff. If you're truly looking to make something that makes a difference, that you are looking to live a long time as a company and produce products that people will keep for a long time, do that. I mean, just aim for the best. If you are looking for something that goes for volume and basically sell a piece of crap that you will need another one next year, I'm not the right guy to, to advise because that is exactly the opposite of what we're trying to do. And this, and, and this has to also be to do a little bit with the ethos of, of Graphinex. We believe somehow fast fashion has taken over. I don't know if you remember, Drew, or, or if you had this experience, but I'm probably sure that you, you did. 
whenever, you know, you had a, a broken refrigerator or kitchen or whatever, your mom, especially your grandma, would say, in my times, this would last for 30 years. And now we, they just last a year and you have to throw it and get another one because fixing it is more expensive than getting a new one. So we are living in this world, you know, before, if we take it to apparel, having a jacket from your grandpa was an object of pride, you know. This is my grandpa's jacket and it's so damn good that it's still working today. That's, that is lost today. It's one of the points that we want to get back with Ruffinex. We don't believe in fast fashion. We believe that if you're paying for, for a good jacket, that jacket should be able to serve you well for, for a bunch of years if you take good care of that jacket. That's very, very important for us as a company in every single product that we do. We offer a lifetime guarantee even for our socks, you know, and, and we have very intensive users of, of socks, uh, but we still believe that is the right way we, uh, to go. That is the most practical, I would say, pragmatical and transparent way to put our mouth, our money where our mouth is. Before we wrap this up, I want to give you a chance to kind of plug the company and tell everyone how to find you. Okay, guys, so www.graphene-x.com. That's where you'll find us. We also have Instagram. I'm a terrible social media communicator, so don't expect much of that. Expect a lot of our products, but none of that. I'm always available. Uh, actually, you can even find my own personal email in our website. I'm always open to discuss ideas, to discuss improvements. We are a backer-centric company, and we t literally take that to the next level. From the development of our products through recognizing, you know, whoever has been behind our company in these early stages, they get the best part of the cake at the end of the day. So go to our website, understand our mechanics. If you have doubts, send me an email. My mail is right over there in the webpage. And our whole team is also very, very happy to, to solve any other doubts that you may have. We are always open and just one email away. Thank you so much, Jorge. It was great talking to you today. Thanks to you, Drew. Have a great day, man. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Built on Passion podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. If you are still listening right now, you need to leave a review. Like seriously, if you are committed enough to listen to the outro, then you must be a fan and we would love to hear your thoughts. Be sure to share this episode with a friend who's thinking about starting a passion project business. And as always, tune in next week for another episode.